0: Episode 108 of the HHH Racing Podcast is brought to you by the Adelphi Racing Club. Adelphi is a club of like-minded people who enjoy horse racing and the camaraderie of being a part of something bigger than themselves. It's a true community. Adelphi's founding partners have all owned horses and other partnerships and syndicates, as well as their own. And the overachieving goal with Adelphi is to blend the benefits of solo ownership with the thrill of the partnership experience. Adelphi offers an interactive ownership experience with real-time access to other partners, trainers, bloodstock advisors, and other members of the team. Adelphi partners receive frequent multimedia content on their horses, including videos, photos, and multimedia content. Adelphi has an exciting class of yearling prospects horses such as Street Sense, Lauban, Frosted, and Taprit, and will be very soon launching a brand new claiming and private purchase partnership. Join the club. And now, let's start the show. Good evening and a welcome to the HHH Racing Podcast, episode 108. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. Thank you so much for joining me tonight for a very special evening as we have two fantastic guests, handicapping experts, to discuss the fantastic Pegasus Day card at Gulfstream this Saturday. Please make sure you subscribe right there on the bottom right hand side of the screen. And also follow me on Twitter. You can see right there down below at H Kravitz on my name tag. Also below the screen, please smash that like button. That'll tell YouTube this is a great show. And then after you subscribe, also make sure you hit that notification bell. That'll tell you when new content will be popping up on this show. A few quick housekeeping items and then we'll bring on our fantastic guests. First of all, the race day blog is not only on Spotify, but now we are on Apple Podcasts. So please make sure you subscribe and listen to the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can hear the video version, excuse me, the audio versions of these shows. Happy to have Apple Podcasts on board. Also, very important announcement: I have a race day blog, as most of you know. Now I, I uh, tease this out on Twitter. The Race Day blog, you can see it's very expensive. There's information down below the video player in details. However, uh, the Race Day blog replenishes itself at the beginning of the month, which is next uh, Tuesday. So here's what I like to do, because I know a lot of people are interested in the Pegasus Day card. If you have not, I repeat, if you have not subscribed to the Race Day blog, and you go ahead and subscribe before 11 o'clock Eastern time tonight, Again, if you subscribe to the race day blog, and you can do it after the show, uh, before 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time tonight, I will give you a free three-page race day blog with detailed analysis on every single race at Gulfstream this Saturday, my ABC plays, spot plays, etc. So please make sure you do that. You will be charged again next Tuesday, but I will simply reimburse this first payment. So again, you'll receive a free race day blog. You have to do it by 11 o'clock Eastern standard time tonight, Thursday. If you happen to see a replay of this show or hear a replay of this show Friday or Saturday, sorry, I can't do it. I'm going to be on a plane in about 12 hours on my way down to Gulfstream for the Pegasus. And it's hard for me to get the blog out and do a lot of things when I'm not here at my uh, home office. So again, sign up for the race day blog before 11 o'clock Eastern time tonight thursday and receive a free edition of the blog if you have not subscribed to the blog before last thing before i bring on our guests and i'm very excited about this i announced this a few weeks ago i had todd Shrupp on my show a few weeks ago and i'm happy to announce if you have not heard i'll be live with todd Shrupp on the tvg set sunday april 24th i'm very excited it's uh it's the keeneland meet I will be sitting next to Todd for a certain amount of time uh, talking with him about races, a pick four, pick five sequence, whatever. Want to thank uh, Todd Trump quite a bit from TVG. It's a great uh, opportunity for me. And that'll be April 24th. More details to come. Last thing, please make sure if you're watching live, and we have a lot of people live comment on the top right-hand part of the screen. Uh, any questions you have about the race day card, any questions for our guests, Let's have a very lively chat tonight. And in addition, below the video player, please put any comments about the show. I have some new lighting tonight. Hopefully you'll like that. It's a little bit brighter, I think. Um, Would you like to have more handicapping, less handicapping, more questions for our guests about their lives and learn more about, you know, special interests or just want to be more handicapping? Again, greatly appreciate any comments you have down below the video player or to my email as well. Uh, We already have a comment here. We already have uh, Charles. Yes, the Florida sunshine is good. I'm very excited, Charles. But as I'm sure our guests know, it is going to be, believe it or not, uh, Saturday. The high is going to be in the high 50s. But considering where our guests are from and where I'm from, I'll take high 50s. Although tomorrow it's going to be in the uh, high 70s. But it's been very cold there uh, for South Florida standards this Saturday. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get to our guests. Uh, these two gentlemen I've been fans of for a long time. I've been listening to their videos and hearing them uh many different mediums. They are excellent handicappers and I'm very, very proud to have these two gentlemen on the show uh, with us tonight that will take us through a very complex uh, card at Gulfstream Park. Let's bring in from the East Coast, the one and only, Dan Ilman and Mike Beer from DRF, gentlemen. How you guys doing tonight?
1: Doing great, Howard. Thanks for having us on. Uh, high fifties. We would take that in a heartbeat on Saturday.
0: Uh, especially because I hear you might. I hear you might get what a foot of snow on Earth this weekend. Uh, it could be crazy out there, right?
1: Might be fifty inches of snow. We're not looking forward to
0: that at all. Mike, how do you feel about the the the, uh, the forecast coming your way uh, this weekend?
2: Um, I've been over winter for. I don't know, a good thirty years now. I still can't believe that I, I live in New York to this day. I got to get out of here at some point. Why well, I'm in the Chicago
0: area, and I feel the same way. It's uh, we haven't had a foot of snow, but it was. Uh, I woke up Wednesday morning to a negative 11 uh, degrees. So uh, I'm happy to get down to Gulfstream uh, this weekend. But like I said, the weather Saturday It's gonna be the, of course, the coldest weekend of the year so far in Florida is gonna be on Pegasus Day, but. I'll tell you what's not going to be cold is the racing. The racing is going to be red hot. Uh, gentlemen, before we start getting to the handicapping, very quickly, and I'm going to start with you, Dan, first. Uh, when you think of Pegasus Day, it's changed a little bit over the years. I mean, it used to be a $10 million purse. Now it's three, but they have added a lot more stakes to the card. Your general feeling on uh, the Pegasus Day uh, as we approach uh, Saturday?
1: Well, I think it's really uh, it's really been important for the industry because it's kept horses like Nick's Go going for at least one more shot. Usually horses like that would retire after the Breeders' Cup. Here is a major incentive for these horses. Before they go to the breeding shed, the timing is still right for the fans to give them their proper send-off and hopefully get a great betting race in the process. Now, we may not have a great betting race in 2022 with two major superstars, but it's sure nice to see Knicks go for two Pegasus World Cups in a row.
0: I also like the fact that, and Mike, I'll let you just talk about that in a minute, but you know, I like the fact there's all there's sort of the racing doldrums. I believe after the Breeders' Cup, there's this lull, and you know the Triple Crown races, prep races have begun. But I think the general public still really isn't ready for the you know Kentucky Derby preps quite yet. Um, Mike, how do you feel about the timing of these races? And just if you want to expand on what Dan said as well.
2: I mean, I, you know, generally speaking, I'm a fan of the uh, of the winter racing at Gulfstream. Um, even if it's, you know, sort of not as strong as it used to be, at least in my opinion. I mean, I, I take Dan's point. I think it's well taken, um, his point that, you know, you get a horse like Go for one more start. I guess that's fine. Um, the more racing, the better these horses, uh, we can get out of these horses is great. Um, I'm just, you know, overall, you know, the, these big cards that these tracks um, have decided to put together over the last, you know, decade or so where all the stakes races around one card, not a, not a very big fan of it. I know it's maybe I'm a little bit old school, but I don't, I don't need a bunch. I don't need one day with a bunch of graded stakes races on it, especially, and we'll get to this in a little bit where you're going to have, you know, several races with very heavy favorites that just don't look uh, very bettable.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's another you know topic for another day, but of course, when you plan all these big stake races on one day, I think it sort of dilutes other weekends because even some of these bigger tracks, some of the weekend racing is just I mean, some of the Saturday cards are just not yeah. the same they used to be. So that's a very interesting point, Mike, and we can certainly talk about it. By the way, I guess we shouldn't complain about the weather. Uh, Sylvain, Sylvain, thanks for joining wow. the show. Uh, Mike and Dad, you'll see comments and questions on the bottom of the screen. It is, that is Celsius, but that's still really cold. Negative 39, uh, sorry, Sylvain, excuse me. Thanks for joining the show. Hopefully it'll warm up a little bit in uh, in Montreal. Uh, gentlemen, we're going to jump into... Uh, the races at Gulfstream. Now, for you folks at home, just so you know, there are seven stake races on Saturday. Uh, the entire late pick five um, are all stakes, and that is the sequence that we are going to focus on. As you know, most people who watch the show and know that we focus on pick fours and, and pick fives. However, there are two races out of the sequence, race five and race seven, uh, that are both on the turf, and I think quite interesting as well. Uh, that we are going to touch on just a little bit there out of the sequence. Gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and bring up, I'm sure you'll proud to know as I emailed you, I always use DRF formulator PPs on this show, not because you guys are on the show. (laughs) I just think they're outstanding. And by the way, Dan, as I switch – screens here. I think they are now free. Is that correct? Are you aware that the DRF changed their policy on that? With
1: right? uh, DRF Bets account, you can get free formulators. And I agree with you. I think they're the best past performances on the market by far. You can do just about everything with them. I know Mike concurs.
2: Yeah, 100%. I've been using formulator um, since uh, back in the old days. Dan, remember when it was when software, you had a download. You couldn't just uh, get it on the web. I mean, I don't know. To me, I I, just, I don't think I could handicap with any other product.
0: Nah, they, they're fantastic. And by the way, uh, I, I'm going to take the scroll off on the bottom of the screen, folks, but just to let you know, if you didn't see, uh, let me take the, the, the banner off the bottom there. Uh, I am going to do something that and I don't always do on this show. I've done in the past. But uh, next Monday, folks, I'm going to be live Monday night recapping the Pegasus Day. And then, of course, next Thursday, uh, we're going to have Brian Nadal, who is the uh, Gulfstream Park simulcast host. Um, because believe it or not, guys, there's a huge day actually next Saturday. They got the Holy Bowl. They got five grade three stakes at uh, Gulfstream a week from Saturday. So the, the uh, hits just keep coming at Gulfstream Park. So we're going be focusing on that. So live shows, folks, Monday and Thursday next week. All right, guys, let's get into it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with the show, you're going to see picks on the bottom of the screen. These are our selections. I'm going to go ahead and bring them up right now. Uh, You see the H is for Howard, D is for Dan, M is for Mike. Mike, you're going to be third, but that means absolutely nothing. (laughs) So don't worry that you're not. The Dan is the first one on there. What we're going to do, gentlemen, is I will have each one of you go first. We'll just go ahead and and flip-flop, and I'll always be third out of respect to my uh, guests there. And you see their picks for each race on the screen. Uh, Dan, we're going to start with you here. This is race five. Again, this is out of the uh pick 5 sequence and also uh Dan and Mike at times I'm going to go full screen as well and we'll be off the screen no one wants to see this mug um, plus the, our viewers will be able to see the pp's a little bit better as well so we'll just be alternating between on screen and off screen uh race 5 is at 127 eastern standard time again this is outside of the pick 5 it's a mile and a half on the turf it's the grade 3 Provenant. this is for older fillies and mares uh dan you're going uh with the four horse in this race on top who will most likely be the favorite always shopping
1: oh she's definitely going to be the favorite and again i'll let mike spend most of the time handicapping on our behalf because he actually is going with price horses always shopping to me just looks very logical like a lot of todd pletcher trained horses it seems that she hulks up at Gulfstream each and every year i believe she won this race last year uh her last race was very very game in the via borghese and She's just the kind of mare that uh, has the tactical speed to work out her own trip. I wouldn't be surprised if she's first or second turning into the stretch. She's been tough at Gulfstream. Uh, I don't really have, I uh, want to have too much money in against her. Maybe I would use Howard, your second pick as well. The number nine at a little bit of a price.
0: Yeah. Just so people know, if you're new to the show, I just saw, and Mike and Dan can confirm this. I literally just saw their picks maybe an hour or two ago. I handicapped last night, gentlemen. I'm not sure when you did your handicapping, but we, uh, have some interesting, clever opinions, and I sort of—I have something interesting I want to say, Dan, about the nine. But I'll let you go first. Why do you have the source in second? Um, looks a little bit uh, to me unexposed uh, for a very underrated trainer, Brian Lynch.
1: Well, that's one of the reasons why I'd like to go here. I'm, I know pretty much what I'm going to get with most of the horses in this race. I'm not sure what I'm going to get just yet from Honor Hop. All I know is I'm pretty sure. I haven't seen her best. Uh, Her last three races have been rock solid. She hung a little bit last time out at Keeneland, maybe. Mike and I watched that race on our DRF Stakes preview, which you could see, shameless plug on the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel. And it looked like she had a big chance in the stretch and she just couldn't get by. But I don't think they've gotten to the bottom of her just yet.
0: Yeah, gentlemen, by the way, I will let you plug anything you would like at the end of the show. Well, I, they have great videos up on DRF. Um, Here's a point that I like to bring up to both of you. I do a lot of uh, – I'm a visual handicapper. I do a lot of replay watching. I watch a lot of workouts as well. Honor Hop, by the way, guys, has been working out with Gift List. Now, I know that's a horse you guys are interested in. They have been working together. So we'll talk about Gift List later in the card in race nine. Uh, but just to let folks know at home that Brian Lynch has paired Honor Hop with one of his nicer uh, uh, older Philly mares on the turf that are, is also running later today, or excuse me, later on the card. So I just would like to bring that up. Um, Mike, you're going to try to get creative here. I don't blame you because really always shopping is not exactly a, you know, a superstar. You're going to go with a very good closer for uh, Suge and Castellano, a hungry kitten, 8-1 to one morning line
2: yeah i I just sort of wanted to go in a different direction here. I, I do think always shopping um, is the horse to beat. I just feel like she's gonna be probably too short a price for me in here, um especially because I don't you know really love her recent form. I know she got back on the beam a little bit last time. I just wasn't really impressed with that win. It didn't come back particularly fast. And I just thought she had you know, all the best of it that day on a slow pace. At a short price, I want other horses in here. Um and listen, hungry kitten is is not ideal necessarily. She doesn't have a great running style. Um, You can see in basically all of her races, she just sits last and tries to make one run uh, into the race. And that can oftentimes work against you. Um, That worked against her last time when Always Shopping beat her. The pace was very slow. This horse was last all the way around to the top of the stretch. And I thought she put in a good run. It was way too late, but I liked the way she finished in there. I thought two starts back at, at Belmont going a mile and a half. I thought she might've actually been Pretty unlucky in that race. Um, tried to make her first run just as the pace was picking up around the turn. The field got away from her again, and she just came storming through the stretch. It was way too late, but I, I actually felt like she ran an underrated race there, too. Um, you know, she didn't have a much of a campaign last year. Obviously, there were some issues with her, but she was getting really good in 2020 once Shug stretched her out, and she looked like she was going to be a graded stakes horse. Um, I'm hoping that she becomes a graded stakes horse now.
0: Yeah, I mean, my only concern with her really is, just so you said, there's just not a lot of pace in this race, and she might be too far back again. But if Castellano can find a way to get her a little bit closer, for some reason it heats up, uh, this is definitely a horse that's interesting. Another one that you have that, that uh, to me, I didn't have anywhere. I'm fascinated to hear really quickly. You have the seven, um, Scarabea at 15-1 to 1 for Jack Sisterson, who, by the way, can come up with a long shot and is a really good trainer. Uh, what do you like about this one?
2: Yeah. To me, it's more just about the field. I mean, I just don't think that there's that much quality in here for a graded stakes race. For the most part, these horses are all exposed and to me, they're just not very good. Um, So I just can't take the horses who are going to be shorter prices in here. This horse, the seven, you know, obviously she's coming right off of a maiden win. Um, But as soon as they stretched her out for her last two starts, I do feel like I know they were on, on a synthetic track, but I do feel like she took steps forward in those races Um, Her turf form early last year, and listen, she was still a very lightly raced three-year-old at that point. I thought a couple of those efforts were pretty good. Um, I don't see any reason why she can't take a step forward in here at some kind of big price. If she's not good enough, you know, so be it. But she's going to be a price in this race, and I do not want the favorites.
0: I totally hear you. And by the way, the breeding by American Fair out of a Galileo mare. I mean, so you'd think this horse has got some upside. Uh, even though she's uh, you know, just turned four. I'm going to go ahead and put you guys on the screen, uh, all of us on the screen for a second, because uh, Richard Flax, uh, one of our viewers, has a good question that I do want to talk about. I mentioned, I touched on the weather, and sorry, Dan, when the when the question comes up, you're, you're uh, or sorry, uh, Mike, you, your head is uh, covered, but we'll okay. take it off there. Richard, here's the story with the weather, and actually, uh, Don, thanks for joining the show. Um, they've had some rain. Let's quickly, guys, talk about, the weather and the turf course, etc. So they have had some rain, but they haven't been racing on the turf for quite a while. Plus, I think the rails have also been out. So it's a huge turf course. So um, and and guys, I'd like to hear your opinion. My personal opinion is it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be firm. I mean, it might be on the good to firm side, but uh, it's going to be on fresh turf. The one thing that it does that does need to be mentioned, guys. And I'm one of those wacko Weather Channel watching guys. There's going to be about a 20 mile per hour wind on Saturday. And I believe it's going to be coming out of the Northwest, which means I believe it's going to be a tailwind in the home stretch. And it's going to be against them the backstretch. And I don't know how you guys feel, but I firmly believe that at certain tracks, the wind can absolutely make a difference with a tailwind in the home stretch. In theory, that favors closers. And that in theory, you'll see slower fractions on the backstretch uh dan i'll let you go first any opinion on how wind or maybe the turf might play on saturday
1: it's tough for uh public handicappers to think about that stuff 48 hours out or 72 hours out when we're making our picks because we don't know the weather but i think that's interesting information certainly i, I agree if there is a tailwind it could aid closers i'm more interested that if the rails are down and we get a fresh patch of, of grass uh, firm turf firmer turf down on the inside it might help horses down there i agree with you uh, i think it'll be good to firm
0: uh, another Howard Howard, thanks for joining the show. I haven't seen your name, but you have the best name of the business as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he says it's going to be firm. Uh, Mike, any thoughts about how the course might play? Have you been following Gulfstream, how it plays in general? If there's like a 25 mile per hour wind, how that might have any effect?
2: Yeah, I don't, um, you know, try to think about that stuff too far ahead of time. Obviously, if, if it's a very windy day, you're going to want to take it into consideration, um, during the races, you know, this far out. Um, I don't even think about stuff like that. Um, I'm assuming the turf is gonna be firm. i hope it's I hope it's a firm turf out there um, when we get some fairly run races, but, you know, this far out, I don't even think about stuff like that. Yeah, and it's by the way, it's
0: gonna be sunny tomorrow. It's gonna be sunny Saturday, and the wind's gonna dry it out. Also, everyone, so listen, it's gonna be firm. What I do like, guys, it's not gonna be the turf that I know. Uh, <laughs> your good friend uh, Dan <laughs> Matt Brunier. And, and by the way, very apropos because sometimes that turf course is ridiculous, but it's very green and lush right now, gentlemen. Let's go ahead and move on. We got a lot of races to cover. Uh, and, and always Shopping's me a big favorite. I I don't know. I think she could be beat, but, uh, you know, in your horizontals, I think it's a must use and maybe even a single for some people. Uh, let's go on to race seven guys, race seven. As I go ahead, like, uh, uh, Mike, I told Dan, I'm a one man band here. So if I'm a little late switching stuff, I I'm the producer editor. I I do it all here. Uh, Let's go on to race seven. And, uh, Mike, I'm gonna let you go first. This is the Grade 3 WL McKnight. It's also a mile and a half on the turf. It's basically the male counterpart of the race we just talked about. They're going for 200000 And we all have a, we must be fans of uh, Nick Saban. I don't know. We all have a very, very, I, I guess, clever. We hope it's clever. Uh, Bama Breeze, folks, we all have on top, which is really quite amazing. We're either going to be look really stupid or really smart here. Uh, Mike, tell everyone why everyone should go to the windows and bet the house on the twelve-on-more hmm. line, Bama Breeze.
2: I think I want to change my pick. Is that possible at this point? <laughs> we I, listen. Am, I, I, stuck... I can
0: just let me know. I can click. I, can change I stuck, it right stuck now. with this
2: horse now. All right. I guess. <laughs> I guess I'll stick with her. Listen. I, I think I'm going to just assume here. I don't want to uh, speak for you two guys. I'm going to assume that we probably have a, a similar take on this horse. You know, personally, I've. I've been a fan of this horse from from a long time ago. And this horse was a three-year-old. You know, I was convinced that he was going to be a graded stakes horse. It didn't necessarily work out for him. Um, I thought, actually, he got pretty unlucky in a couple of those stakes races that he ran in as a three-year-old, though. um, And I, you know, just sort of like the way that he's come back. He showed in that uh, Kentucky Downs race in September that he can get a distance of ground. He made a, a long strong run to win that race. You know, I try not to put too much stock in the in the turf races at Kentucky Downs because it's such an odd course. And I don't think you know you'll often won't see horses repeat those efforts elsewhere. But to me, this horse was good before that race. Um I liked that he showed he could get a distance in that race at Kentucky Downs. And listen, the Sycamore, the last time we saw him, you know, I just personally think he ran an extremely underrated race. Um a Sycamore that was dominated up close to the lead the closers had absolutely no chance in there this horse had trouble at the start to wind up last he was wide around the track uh Joe Rocco tried to make an early run at it he got all the way up to contention before this horse flattened out at the end but he actually ran a super race last time um in just a spot where nobody was really making up any ground at all he actually made a big run into the race I mean um any kind of a trip he's gonna be tough
0: I'm sorry. I'm very happy to show replays. If you guys want Bama breeze was the nine. I'm sorry. I should have put it sooner, but I just want to repeat what you were talking about there, Mike, as people watch the replay again.
2: Yeah. I mean, you can watch him from here. You have him highly. You just pointed him out there, uh, Howard, where he's off the pace. There's no action going on in here. So you can see Joe Rocco right now. They're still on the backstretch here and he's just going to launch up after the leaders in this race. This is a, a very difficult trip for this horse but he's going to get right up there into contention as they reach the top of the stretch, you know, ultimately he's going to flatten out, but that's just because yeah. he did a lot of uh, work early in this race. Um, the the leaders are not stopping in here, so he can't get to them and he gets a little tired, but I actually feel like this horse did a ton of running in here.
0: Well, it's also, you know, th- those big middle moves do not work well in these long distance turf races. Plus that turf also looks pretty yielding there and it's not going to be that on, uh, uh, on Saturday. Uh, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I don't really have too much to add on top of that. Um, let's you have the 12 very briefly, and then I'll I'll go to Dan. You have the we, we do have a lot of different horses underneath. You have the 12. Now, this is a horse that I'm sure has big name recognition because, uh, you know, he was on the Derby Trail. Soli Volante comes from the clouds, has uh, t- does have two wins on turf and you've got him for second
2: yeah i mean i i don't love his running style um sort of the same thing we talked about um, with the horse in the prior race you know this horse is probably going to be last early because he doesn't have any speed but you know he was in that same race that we just watched with Bama breeze the sycamore um, a pace dominated race closers had no chance um this is a horse who was uh, you know as as usual for him last early he was forced very wide um around that final turn of the race and actually stayed on pretty well Um, I didn't think he ran poorly at all in that spot. He came back in the Fort Lauderdale last time going nine furlongs um, and just in another race that was dominated on the lead, wire-to-wire winner um, in Doswell. um, This horse, there was nobody making up late ground in that race. This horse was actually making up late ground in there. I I just feel like he's – I feel like since they've gotten back to turf with him, and I do think he's a better turf horse than dirt horse, um, I feel like his form is is headed the right way. He's going to need some luck if he's going to get there in this race, but he's going to be a big price. And I actually feel like he's an underrated horse.
0: But he's 21 morning line. And the reason why I'm putting the screen and Mike and Dan, we have a, a large combination of people like myself who've been handicapping for 20, 30 years. But We also have a lot of newer, younger viewers that are watching the show, which I'm very excited to have. Um, Dan, actually, I'm going to jump to you. Can you please explain people? Here's the chart of the race that we were watching replay and just explain to people why just by looking at the chart here it's so hard to close based on where these horses were placed early in the race
1: well you can see after the first half mile the top 3 finishers at the finish spooky channel 2 emmy's rise the guy they're third first and second i mean there's just not a lot of closing going on in this race um I think Mike makes a very, very good point about closers being stymied. That's something that you can look for in a chart. Uh, you could always look for it the other way. Horses that are 11th, 10th, and 9th at when, you assume that, there's going to, that there was a pace meltdown in that race. But in this race, the horses that were up close, in position, they stayed there to the wire. There wasn't a lot going on. Mike uh, made all the points about Bama Breeze. I'm not going to really go into it. I would tell everyone to go and watch the full replay in Formulator. That was just a terrible trip. He ran much better uh, than it looks on that simple running line.
0: Yeah, I I, I I agree with everything you have to say. I just, I don't think we're getting 12 to 1, by the way, guys. Uh, not because of the three of us, but I just, I think this horse, you know, they do a nice job of the morning lines, but uh, th- this horse is going to be, uh, you know, an overlay, I, I think the source is going to be, you know, I'd say six to one, but I'll tell you what, I don't know how low you guys would go. Um, I'm playing, I'm playing in a live money contest Saturday. I'm not afraid to say I would be willing to go about as low as six to one on this horse. Uh, do you, you have a number in mind, Mike, that you would go on the wind end here?
2: Um, yeah, probably no lower than that. Um, With this horse, six to one, I feel like is, is, is acceptable on him. Uh, mostly just because I, I've always liked him. You know, I, I don't, I don't think I would just necessarily take six to one, only because of his last race. Although I do think he ran very well in there. Um, you know, once again, though, you know, as we sort of talked about with the other, uh, the previous race, you know, if you don't, if you're not going to look for a price in here, I mean, who, who else are you going to really go to? I mean, I, I didn't really feel like this was the kind of race where you wanted to be settling for horses at, at shorter prices. Um, not that maybe one of the favorites won't win, but I mean, the number 10, um, a bond for Pletcher is two to one on the morning line. Really? I mean, I understand this horse has speed and can get the distance, but why is he a prohibitive favorite on the morning line in this race? What is he? What has he done to deserve that?
0: I have absolutely no. I I saw I handicapped these without the morning line guys. I I have absolutely no idea. I guess Pletcher and Saez. I mean, I I guess. I mean, but I thought that was crazy. I mean, uh, there is not a lot of speed in this race. I, I suppose he can wear the field. He's got lots to prove to me. I know he won the you know a stake, but that was two miles and. This is a much better field, etc. Um, we're gonna go ahead and move on. Uh Dan, any other thoughts? You have the eight uh in second, uh, Baker's Bay. By the way, the nine, Glenn County, who is a nice horse. Um, threw in a complete dud last time. Um, in that same race that we've been talking about, by the way. Maybe it's the track. I don't know. I think Glenn County, to me, is by far the horse to beat. I don't know how you guys feel. I have him in second. Uh, if he runs back to any of those three races previous, I think he beats this field by two or three lengths, but I'm slightly concerned about the layoff situation here. Um, Dan, any thoughts about your eight here? Bakers Bay, you have in second.
1: Lightly raced Shug McGehee horse. Uh, Shug's horses simply get better when they get older. I thought this horse, once they stretched him out, uh, found his footing in the Louisville two-back. He ran pretty well. He was kind of in and among horses, and he was in against a very good marathoner in Arklow. I thought one of the viewers had a, had a very prescient comment on Temple. He's the kind of horse that always seems to get the pocket trip. He breaks from the inside. He gets back to a more appropriate distance, and he'll likely going to have a great pocket trip again.
0: Yeah, I looked at Temple. Um, I don't know, guys. I mean, he just—he's run two ninety ones. He's—I mean, it's a maker claimed him last time. He didn't really look like he improved him. I have to admit, I didn't see that replay. Um, I don't know. I suppose he can win, but I—I I, I you know agree with you. There's just a lot of like blah. Like I want to do something interesting here. I think we all feel that way, guys. Be creative in this race, I think is what we're saying. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, before we go to the pick five, we have almost a record number of people watching live right now. And I know Dan and Mike, we're going to have a ton of people are going to be watching uh, replays. I'll give you guys a chance real quick before we move on to the pick five. Uh, You guys have do a fantastic job uh, with your own uh, videos. Uh, Dan, please tell everyone, go ahead and, and promote the videos you guys have on DRF. That actually goes into probably even a little more detail than we have the time to tonight on this show.
1: Uh, daily racing form youtube channel head on over there mike and i pretty much do most of the stakes previews but we also have great handicapping analysis from southern california from brad free we have david aragona from time form us craig milkowski lots of great stuff head on over daily racing form youtube channel mike and i argue about horses
0: Mike, how long have you guys been doing those videos? I, I mean, I, I just turned fifty years old this summer. I, had, I, I feel like I've been watching those videos since I was like a teenager. I know that's not true, but it feels like a long time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, feels like, feels like that uh, for me too. I have to deal with Ilman um, every day. Um, I'm gonna. I don't know exactly when we started. I, I will say that um, Ilman forced forced my hand um, to make me start doing those videos. It's not something I ever wanted to do. Um, <laughs> And uh, Illman uh, managed to rope me into it, and now I'm stuck. And, and, now, uh,
0: and now he's like and he he's like the host of it. He like leads, and you're sort of that, you're not the side gig, but he's always the one like, introducing I the videos. How did that, that happen, Dan?
1: Well, I mean, the bottom line is Mike's the analyst. He's a premier handicapper in his own right. I, I, I'm i the host. I'm merely a, a host there to welcome the folks and to maybe just set Mike up. But at the end of the day, um, I'm still waiting for my 5% for Mike. He's become, oh, wow. a, big, right, he's become well. a big name off of me. <laughs>
0: We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that off the show. And, and Mike and I know better, Dan, we know you're an excellent handicapper. And by the way, folks that uh, Dan, if you don't know, Dan's a uh, good friends with Matt Bernier and Matt often talks about how uh, knowledgeable and good a handicapper Dan is as well as Mike. So uh, you can't fool us, Dan Illman. Uh <laughs> Let's go on to race nine guys. You can see our picks there. I'll go ahead and bring back um, the screen here. Hold on one second here. Oops. I, there we go. All right race nine. Now this is the beginning as I go ahead and switch, uh, to the picks, uh, everyone watching. And again, thanks for watching tonight. Please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Uh, we are also on, uh, Apple podcasts now as well as Spotify. So, uh, you can listen to the show as well. If you miss something tonight, gentlemen, this is start of the pick five. And I think this is a fascinating pick five sequence not only because of the horses in the race, but also from a betting perspective in terms of how you formulate your tickets. I hope we have time at the end of the show to talk about that because we're ending the sequence with basically a two-horse field I think we'd both agree with. So it's going to be fascinating you know, to see how people construct their pick five tickets. It starts here, the pick five, at a 3.36, I'll go full screen, 3.36 approximately, without the post lag guys, <laughs> 3.36 Eastern Standard Time, uh, they're going mile 16th on turf, this is the Grade 3 TAA Pegasus World Cup Philly and Mayor Turf Invitational, the female version of the male version, it's a mile and a 16th, like I said, half a million. In the kitty, Uh Dan Illman, we're going to start with you. Um, But actually, I suppose we can start with anyone because there's a horse that we all think is going to be very tough to beat. The number four, real glory for a guy named Chad Brown and a guy with a last name of Ortiz. This time, Jose.
1: Howard, you must really like this race because isn't this the second leg in the pick five and the kickoff <laughs> leg in the pick well, did four? Did I screw that up? No, there's no screwing up. I like this race too. Oh but... my
0: goodness, I did. My bad. Wow, all that fancy intro. There we go. Host <laughs> host fail. As my I good friend Peter Thomas would say. I, I greatly apologize, guys, and everyone mm-hmm. out there. Sorry. Uh no, we'll talk about that. We'll talk we'll get to that race. Uh I was so excited to talk about real glory. My bad, guys. Let's mm-hmm. go to race eight. The pick five starts at 303. I'm putting myself back on screen I screwed up. I'll put us all back on screen. I screwed up. <laughs> race <laughs> eight, guys. Race eight. The grade two inside information. It's on dirt. It's seven furlongs. Uh older. Actually does I guess it could be three year olds too, but Phillies and mares, two hundred thousand dollars. Um, we're gonna we'll still start with you, Dan. I thought this was a very tricky race personally, with a lot of horses that are difficult to trust. You're going with a speedball, an up and comer, uh, by not this time, just one time, Brad Cox, Joel Rosario, three one morning lane.
1: Unfortunately, she is 3-1 to on the morning line, and she's likely going to get bet because she is going out for Rosario and Cox. It's just that I really don't trust either the current form or the reputations of the major players in this race. Now, you look at Just One Time's form, it looks pretty good. She hasn't been beating anything in her races. And Mike made a very good point in our stakes preview. That race two starts back, Howard. If you want to click on the chart on September the 22nd, you'll note that Just One Time ran a 96 buyer speed figure click buyer figures and maybe just maybe that buyer's a little bit inflated (laughs) leaky cauldron ran an 81 and then came back and ran not so well if you believe secret bankers is 68 i'm feeling good about just one time uh i just think that just one time still has upside and her race after that was fast enough from a pace standpoint, the two horse has turf speed. I'm not sure if that horse is going to transfer that speed on the dirt. I know my horse has speed, and I wouldn't mind being sitting off the two and the seven Jakarta with a big look at it turning into the stretch, but I have to use others in the pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, I... I well, I don't want to talk to... I have a source in a second, mainly because I'm, I'm assuming you feel the same way about this particular point, Dan. I love outside speed that's the best i mean she could get the lead she could sit off jakarta i don't think the two by the way is going to have the lead i'll talk about my two after mike explains but just i think the trip might work out but boy this horse has got serious questions right i mean she's got to go an extra furlong these these are this is not a four horse field these are not you know pen breads i mean this is a whole or pennsylvania breads this is a whole other uh deal uh you're going with the seven you mentioned jakarta i actually bet uh, parks that day dan i have no idea where that effort came from but she she was pretty good doing it
1: It's kind of funny that we talked about this a little bit on the preview as well, that Jakarta kind of made her bacon and her reputation as a turf sprinter. Take a look at her lifetime record on fast dirt, six for nine. But at the end of the day, lone speed is great speed. And Jakarta got loose at parks that day and was able to pull away from a fair field, not a great field. I know Miss Mosaic came back to win a stakes race. That figure wasn't great. But Jakarta, when she gets to the front is dangerous. And she does have seven eighth form on her page.
0: Yeah, just to, you know this is why it's really important to go back, folks, because don't just focus on the last few races, and especially don't focus on the first race. I mean Jakarta, this is Jakarta. I mean, when she was younger, guys, obviously she was mainly a dirt horse, and she showed a lot of speed, and then she just uh, transferred herself to the turf after. I think that was after Maker took over. Yeah, what a shock there, huh? Maker improved a mm-hmm. horse on the turf, but I mean this horse started her career on the dirt, so maybe maybe you know we shouldn't have been surprised by that last. Uh, effort is I'm going to go ahead and switch back to the uh, 12 lines here. Let's talk about the horse that Dan has in third. I have in third Mike beer. I'm going to go to you. You have this horse on top. I got to say, I have no, I didn't know what to do with this horse. Four graces, five to one Ian Wilkes and and Julian LePeru.
2: Yeah. I mean, there are obvious question marks Uh, with four graces. um, Only managed one start as a four year old. Um, Didn't run poorly that day either. I'm in a pretty tough spot on a fast pace. Um, but obviously something went wrong. We didn't see her again until January 6th down here at Gulfstream. I listen, she didn't run great last time, but you know, with, with only one start, uh, in between dating back to the end of uh, the end of, uh, 2020, you know, I, I'll, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and just say, maybe she needed one with so much time off. Um, she wound up just missing at the end. I mean, to me, there was never really a point where it looked like she was going to win that race. Um, But she stayed very gamely to the end there and and almost got up. So I'm going to just take it as a positive sign that um, she's came back and and ran a competitive race um, after so much time away. And, you know, personally, guys, and maybe she's just not this horse anymore. But going back to four races as a three-year-old, to me, if she comes back and can run any one of those races that she was running as a three-year-old, she's going to beat this field. This is not a good field of horses. She was a legitimately good three-year-old Philly sprinter. Um, Nothing but good races. Seven seven furlongs are no problem for her. Um, She has plenty of speed to be forward in this race. Um, And, you know, again, I don't know if you're going to get five to one on the morning line. I think five to one is a very fair price on this Philly because if she can come back um, and run anything like she was running uh, earlier in her career, she's going to win.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with everything you said. I don't know. Maybe she's just better in Kentucky. Uh, maybe I'm just nitpicking. I don't know. I mean, she look who she's racing at to Kentucky. I mean, she was right there with, you know, Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, she had to face Venetian Harbor. Uh, I mean, those are those are some nice old edgeway. Those are nice older Phillies and mares. I have a feeling she just likes the surface better at Keeneland and, churchill but you know obviously she ran real well at the bottom of the page at gulfstream so i don't know i have her i'm not gonna talk about my abc selections guys they'll be on my race day blog but this horse can absolutely win um you also you have the nine i want to really quickly talk about this horse too because i have a friend who's interested in this horse as well my crumbum uh is complete you know un unexposed here uh, just one in an optional 62, 12-run morning line for Chantel. And the one thing that I'm assuming you like is she does figure to get a nice clean trip from the outside.
2: Yeah, I, I like her tactical speed. You know, I, I don't know that I necessarily feel like she's, you know, a very likely winner of this race. Um, but I do think it's, you know, at least worth noting. We're talking about, you know, a grade, tr- a grade two um, sprint race here for 200000 This isn't a very good field. I mean, there are a lot of horses in here. Um, Most of these horses, as a matter of fact, do not look like graded stakes horses to me. Um, We'll see what happens with that uh, with that morning line favorite just one time. I mean, maybe that horse turns out to be really good. I'm going to have to make her prove it at a really short price. Um, So maybe she'll just win. But outside of, you know, a horse like Four Graces, who, you know, at one point was a graded stakes horse. I mean, who do you really want in here um, at any kind of a short price? I wanted horses at better prices in here. I'm going to fade all the favorites. Um, I'll try to get Crumbum in there just because I I just like her overall form and I like her tactical speed.
1: And one quick add, if you believe that the seven furlong distance is a specialist's distance, uh, four graces really appreciate seven eighths of a mile. She got good then. I'm interested in Howard and your thoughts on AG Indy because I loved her on the turf in Southern California. What a fascinating spot.
0: Well, yeah, I've, I've got a few things I want to say. First of all, Trish Smith is a great viewer of the show. Uh, guys, throwing you a bone there uh, from Trish, who lives in Lexington, gentlemen. Um, so she knows her horse racing. Uh, I, I had a chance to meet Trish uh, last, uh, last year. Uh, Trish, thanks for watching the show, and thanks for the compliments to uh, Mike and Dan. By the way, guys, I didn't mention this real quick. On Bama Breeze, I know we're going back, but I want to mention uh, a statistic. And by the way, these two guys put great, formulator stats up on their videos i'm not doing it on this show but i just want to say that rusty arnold who trains bama breeze for uh this is off uh, a two to six month layoff uh first time off the layoff turf graded stakes four for 13 guys which really surprised me i know it's a small sample size but that is 31 percent. i just want to mention that with bama breeze all right here's the deal on a on Um, and I agree, Dan, this is a, this is a fascinating horse, right? I mean, these PPs are really strange. So let me just briefly talk about this horse and some stats. Um, by the way, the seven Jakarta beat Miss Mosaic guys and Miss Mosaic came back and won. Just want to mention that Jakarta is coming out of a, out of a live race, the seven. So AG Indy, uh, started his, or her career, excuse me, uh, way back actually on the dirt. And I just want to show this very quick because this is my top pick folks. And uh, I'll move on quickly after this one race on the dirt, really slow. Right. But when you look at the breeding of this horse, I mean, you would think the horse could run on dirt. This is by take charge Indy out of a badge of silver uh, mare who uh, the Hong Kong silver was more of a synthetic horse, by the way, guys, I'm not going to show the, uh, the PPs for the dam. Uh, Then O'Neill takes over and turns this horse into a real nice sprinter, right guys? Fast. Nice sprinter. Now, Plutcher takes over this horse. I've got to believe that he spotted this horse, you know, well. I will say, gentlemen, this is really important. I'm going to bring this on the screen. I'm not sure if you guys know this because uh, we're all very busy. But like I said, I'm a sicko and I prepare <laughs> really deep for my shows. A.G. Indy has been working in company with another Plutcher horse. You guys know who it is? I do not. Fearless.
1: Ah, okay. Now, we'll be talking about him in a little, little bit.
0: Now, now, Fearless, guys, which we're gonna t- these two gentlemen know, but for you watching or listening at home, Fearless is a very nice horse running later in the card. It's one of the Pletcher's better older horses. I watched the replay on XBTV, just throw a shout out to them. And guys, AG Indy was right, was right there with Fearless. Now, Fearless is more of like a one-pace, you know, two-turn horse, and this is more of a sprinter. But AG Indy was on the inside of Fearless, which I like because I think she's going to be in the inside here. And she looked good to me. Again, it's a workout, blah, blah, blah. Guys, that that tells me something. I don't know how you feel about trainers working the horses with other good ones. But to me, I like that a lot. I think you're going to still get the four to five to one. There's a lot of horses that are unproven in here. I like AGND. We'll see. This horse maybe could, could finish last too, but I'm intrigued. Any other thoughts, Mike, before we move on?
2: No, I just you know sort of feel like you know it's one of those races where maybe you want to take a shot with the, with a horse like that. I mean, you know, again, more than anything else, I didn't really want the favorites in here. Um, I'm happy to leave it open to other horses.
0: Okay, I agree. Let's move on, guys. I'm sorry if I talked too long. And by the way, I, I told the, I told these guys I'd get them off at nine uh, Eastern time if they can or want to stay on a little bit longer. Great if not, no problem, guys, because I, I made a commitment to you. So let's go ahead and move on. Uh, now we can get into. <laughs> uh race nine and i don't think we have to talk about this race really too far oh i did the intro for it mike i'll let you go first Regal glory by far here the horse to beat we all have her on top for chad
2: yeah in some ways it's a little i'm um, that she's in this field because I, I feel like this would be a really really good race um if she wasn't in here a very competitive field it feels like outside of regal glory i you know, I don't really know what to say. I, you know, I realized that um, you could look at her and say, well, she's not really one of Chad's, you know, top, top fillies and mares. Um, so maybe she's a little vulnerable here and maybe she is. Um, but I, I just feel like she's been, I think she's really good. And I think she's been really good for a long time. And, you know, obviously, you know, either one of her last two efforts is going to make her really, really hard to beat in here. The matriarch is a little bit of a joke. Um, where they just turned her loose on the lead against a, a very modest field. She walked early. She sprinted late. You know, I guess you don't want to get too caught up in that. I thought she ran great in the first lady two starts back, though. Um, I basically like all of her races. She can get any kind of a trip uh, in a race. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like she's going to be really hard to beat here, and I, and I don't really want to have a lot of money in against her.
0: I, I totally agree. Dan, do you want to expound on, on Mike's thoughts there? Not much this else. This looks to pretty say. straightforward horse, huh?
1: Yeah, not much else to say. She's the fastest and classiest horse coming in. The matriarch, as Mike said, you don't want to really judge her on that race. The First Lady, she got wired by a very hot horse. Uh, her stable made blowout. She just uh, looks very, very logical.
0: No question. There's two other horses I want to mention real quick. Uh, Mike's got gift list in second. Uh, Mike, again, this horse was working, uh, with, uh, uh, with Bama breeze, right. Did I just, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. So again, uh, I mean, Mike, should we, if Bama breeze runs well or doesn't run well, I mean, does that have any opinion on your feeling of gift lists or are we overrating that thought?
2: Um, I'm, you know, personally, I don't care about stuff like that. Um, okay. certainly you can take it into consideration workouts. Don't, I mean, obviously if he's going to, if they're matching, you know, horses like this up with one of their good other horses, I guess that's a good sign. Um, but I try not to put too much stock into the, into workouts. Is um, uh, there
0: anything in particular you liked about this horse? She's 15 to one morning line and I'm actually using her in my, uh, late yeah, I, like,
2: also. I, I like all of her races. Um, particularly since she got over here, I, I thought she was actually good, um, over in England before she got here. And I like all three of her starts for Brian Lynch last year as a three year old, I thought she ran great when she got wired in the Appalachian. Um, they rated her in that race and she just, I mean, the horse that, that got to the front in there, Jouster, yeah. um, just never came back to that field. This horse actually ran really well in there in a fast final for action, gain and ground. Um, I loved her Edgewood, uh, where she sat a really nice trip um, and came with a huge finish to run that field over. And I just think she got very unlucky in the wonder again um, the last time we saw her. I'm not suggesting that she was necessarily going to win that race, but a lot of traffic into the first turn of that race. She had a steady. She got shuffled all the way back out of position. And she still made a really nice run through the stretch down along the inside. I, I thought this Philly was really good as a three-year-old. And um, I'm, I'll am i be pretty surprised if she doesn't uh, turn out to be a pretty nice horse as an older Philly.
0: Yeah, and by the way, the horse that she lost to, Cone Lima, I think is underrated. Had a real nice year last year as well. Guys, we got to talk about one of my price plays of the entire day. And I was, I cannot, I'm going to, I got to bring this on the screen real quick. Mike, I cannot tell you how happy I was when I saw that one of you, at least, um, and maybe you you like this horse a little bit too, Dan. That at least one of you had this ridiculous morning line of twenty to one uh, by Parsonship as the guest. Mike, I'll let you talk about this horse. We both have this horse in third, and you know we have to watch the replay very briefly, at least the end of the race. There is no way in hell this horse is going to be twenty to one. If she's twenty to one, I mean, I I will put much more money than I normally do on this horse. You know, it it probably key in every spot in the tribe, blah, blah, blah. Talk a little about this uh, long shot for a grand motion, Mike.
2: Well, she was 20 to one last time. So maybe you'll get it again. Uh, You know, we'll see. I mean, this is a a nice performance. um, I'm actually, I got to be honest. I'm a little disappointed that she winds up winning this race um, because I probably would have had her higher in my picks if she wasn't coming off of a, a win with a 94 buyer. Um, Mike,
0: I'm going to just so do ever know, she's the, I'm sorry, I don't know, she's the four, everyone. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and, and let Mike just talk over the replay, but watch what happens to the four in this race. Yeah, go, go ahead.
2: Mike. She. She's, yeah, she's the four saving ground. I mean, th- I think ultimately though, I do just want to point out, this is a pretty, pretty fast pace she has in front of her um, and it's contested as well. Um, I think, and you're going to see her get into trouble um, in the upper stretch here where she gets sort of briefly blocked behind horses and has to steady. But overall, this is a really good trip. The pace is very solid in front of her. She's saving all the ground.
0: Look at the hold. Um, I mean, are you While rolling?
2: improving sure. around the turn. Um, and she is going to get briefly blocked here, but she gets through it um, and, and is, you know, talented enough to regather and close this race down at the end. A really nice performance for this horse. Um, I Listen, I'm not going to be surprised when she runs well again. I actually liked her two starts back. I bet her in that winter memories at Aqueduct. And she didn't run great that day, but she ran okay. And she obviously improved in that race we just watched.
0: I mean, it's weird because I suppose if you're against this horse, guys, you could say, and let me go ahead and switch back and put us back on and we'll move on to the next race. I suppose you could say, well, listen, she's had a perfect trip on the inside. She saved ground. It was a fast pace. The race fell apart. I can't disagree with any of those comments, but it's, it's pretty hard for a horse to regain momentum and pass, even if it is falling apart. And, and she's been working very well, by the way, um, Dan, you don't have this horse in your top three, but I'm assuming you're intrigued a bit also. Oh,
1: she's my fourth pick, and I'm using her in okay. the pick five, certainly. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, uh, she ran third in that group race in Ireland as a maiden against Pearls Galore, who's a very, yeah. very good horse. She showed her ability in that race. Uh, just quickly, uh, also coming out of the Tropical Park Oaks is Lady Spite Spear, who I also thought ran very well. She was as green as the Grinch in that race. She jumped tracks early, she was bearing out on the turn, but she was also battling it out on the pace, and she still hung in there late. She's a horse with plenty of upside, and she's going to be close to the pace. Pace.
0: I think there's uh I, I know I'm going through this quickly. We got to move on, guys, but there is a there's other speed in this race. Sweet, Sweet Melania shouldn't be that far off. Got a dream trip and set up by the way last time. I have no idea what to expect from this too, although she has been showing speed. Anyway, there is other speed in this race, but uh you know, Dan is correct, Lady Spite Spear, um if if she can find a way to get a softer pace, is is definitely a threat. All right, guys, let's go ahead and move on to race 10. Um, I personally have a pretty strong opinion in this race. You can see our picks there on the bottom of the screen. Uh, Dan, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to go ahead and switch here. This is the uh, Hooper. It's the great three Fred W. Hooper. They're going a mile um, starting at the shoot. So it's one turn, 150000 Uh, You like the sixth in this race, uh, Dan, who is Liam for Todd Fletcher.
1: Just going a little bit of a different direction. I mean, I'm the president of the Fearless Fan Club, so he's going to be disappointed (laughs) that I'm not picking him. He got a great trip last time out. He does, does love Gulfstream Park. I think Speaker's Corner is way the horse to beat. I mean, he's displayed brilliance in his career. He's also thrown in a couple of duds. I think Mike and I disagree a little bit about his last race, the Discovery. I don't know why he didn't win. Mike made a good point that maybe a mile and an eighth was too far, and I'm taking that into consideration. But when he runs buyers of 109, 103, 101, Uh, you have to respect that, especially with his speed. Liam's just a weird horse because he came back off of an extremely long layoff in a very weak race, but he did do a lot of work in that race. He battled with the runner-up. They went hard and heavy the middle half of the race, and Liam was just too much for him. You'll notice he showed a little bit of promise for his prior trainer before the long layoff. I think there's something here. A uh, Pletcher doesn't have to rush this horse, especially if he has fearless in this race. Uh, I, I'm just curious to see what Liam does. I don't think speaker's corner is going to want to get involved in any kind of duel with Liam. He's going to let Liam have the lead. We'll see if Liam can take him as far as he can. Uh, I'm not in love with this horse, but he just is, is an interesting new face.
0: Yeah. And like you said, Pletcher's got the fearless who's going to close. So Um, I I don't think this is any kind of a rabbit though. I mean, Pletcher doesn't usually use rabbits and this horse, you know, is capable if if he can improve, uh, Mike, you and I, I I have a very strong opinion here. I mean, fearless can win. I love speakers corner in this race. I, I just thought last time the discovery was just too far. I mean, he had no excuse other than the fact the distance is too far. I love the turn back and everything about this horse in this race
2: yeah we agree i mean i I do think the distance did him in last time and you could sort of see it i feel like you could sort of see it um in the stretch run of that race because he was still clear down past the eighth pole but he just wasn't finishing at the end he wound up jumping to his wrong lead um inside the 16th pole and he just couldn't hold off you know a pretty nice horse by the way in miles d i still think he ran well last time I, i just don't think he wants to go that far i love him cutting back to the one turn uh route race he's got really nice speed from the outside. I just think he's way the horse to beat in here. I don't even think it's that close. Um, you know, I know you like him too. So if you want to, you know, take over and just talk about him, that's fine. i just want to mention that the only other horse I'm using in this race, I do expect Speaker's Corner to win. The only other horse I'm using is the number two pain. Um, I just want to see yeah. what this horse can do um, for his new trainer as he stretches back out to a mile. I, I, I got to admit, I loved this horse in New York. You know, you have to go back <laughs> a few years to get to those races when Chad Brown had him, but Um, This horse ran nothing but good races for Chad Brown. He kept getting better. He was super unlucky three or four times in a row before um, he wound up putting together a three race winning streak um, into the beginning of 2020. And then he just missed a ton of time. They could not keep this horse on the track. Um, He's coming back second off the layoff here after a very easy win um sprinting at tampa last time he's another horse who got into a little trouble in the stretch of that race but managed to get through it and and won very easily And there this horse has a little bit of talent and he can get the mile and he's just going to be a huge price in here i'm not against speaker's corner but i'm going to use pain with him
0: i i I think those you know he is going to be a big price uh if he's improved i don't like the fact he's already seven i'm just not a big fan of older horses in general facing younger but he can win to me this fearless can win also i have nothing else to add guys and i want to move on because uh again i'm I'm sorry that we're gonna be going a little bit over if you guys don't mind but um you know to me this is a two horse race i mean it's either fearless or speaker's corner frankly i'd be very surprised if it was anyone else if these if one of these two don't win for me personally i'm probably Uh, that's gonna hurt my pick five quite a bit because those are my lone A's and I have no B's. Everyone, just let you know that's my opinion. Um, the only other horses I have are C's. I think it's eight one to the hoop, so to speak, and uh, and move on. Uh, all right, gentlemen, let's get in the last two races and what fantastic races we have here. These are the two pretty much feature races of the day. I'm gonna go ahead and switch to our banner. And uh, you guys have about uh, uh, what ten minutes, or uh, you guys have any specific time? And I don't want to put you on the spot here, but
1: as much time and, as you need, Howard. I'm looking yeah. forward to handicapping these races. Your oh, time. wow,
0: fantastic! Okay, I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, then we will talk because these are obviously the big races of the day. Let's talk about first the Grade One uh, Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational. They're going a mile and eighth. I believe it was a mile and three sixteenths last year, yep. if I recall, or, or has been. So it's a small cutback uh in distance. Uh one million dollar purse. I think it's fair to say these are the best turf horses in training right now. I mean, obviously it's January. You're not getting the best of the best, but I'd say this is a pretty good field considering I would have loved to see, you know, maybe someone come over from overseas, but it's that doesn't happen in this race. Usually um, I'm going to let uh, Mike go first. Cause Mike, you and I <laughs> uh, have a horse in this race. Uh, that is going to be a little bit of a price. That is very honest. Michael Maker's got a bunch in here. We both like field pass with Raspoli in the irons.
2: Yeah. I, you know, this is another one of those races where I, you know, kind of didn't really trust the horses who were going to be shorter prices and sort of wanted to look for um, for horses at at you know bigger odds. Um, I just like Field Pass. I think he's a good horse. He was a, a really nice three year old for Maker. I think he won five stage races as a three year old. I don't think anybody would confuse him, you know, with you know the top top horses. But he he was really good um, as a younger horse, and you know he was he's always been a horse who had no tr- who had no problem with distance. So you don't have to worry about nine furlongs with him. Um, Dan and I talked about this a little bit in the video preview we did for this race. The Source came back early last year and didn't win any of his you know, first three starts in some really tough spots that Maker found for him. The, the Maker's Mark Mile, the Man of War, stretched out to 11 furlongs then the Wise Dan. He didn't win any of those races, but he actually ran really well um, in all of them, um, in particular that Man of War going 11 furlongs, where they just went a really fast pace, and he was up close to it for a long time before he yeah. got tired. Um, so I don't know. I just feel like he actually, it may not look like he came back an improved horse as a four year old, but I actually think that he did. And, um, you know, he, his Knickerbocker at nine furlongs, um, is another race that to me, you know, it looks like he was just loose on the lead and couldn't hold it. I felt like he went a very solid pace in that race and just got nailed at the wire. And, um, I don't know, Howard, if you're, if you wanted to talk about his Seabiscuit, his win last time. Sure. Um, but I think that's a race that is worth watching if anybody hasn't seen it because um, they raided this horse early, early And there. You don't have to do that because they could put him right up close to the pace if you want to, but they wound up raiding him early in here. And then Raspoli made a move um, on the backstretch of this race that is not is not generally a winning move in a turf race. He moved super early in here to go after the leaders. You see him as Sorry. we pick up the I'll race, now he's already taken the race Sorry. over. Sorry, I mean, to what, back it up a
0: little bit. Well, yeah. more so. He's the two folks, and Sacred Life was in this race is the seven. Yeah, horse out and
2: move. going already. They just turned into the backstretch here. He's yeah. already on the move marching up to these leaders. That's not always a, a winning move in a turf race. I think Rispoli noticed that they were trying to back the pace down a little bit, and he wasn't going to let him do it. So he made this horse sustain a really long run in this race, and he manages to, to fight off Sacred Life, who was a big favorite here at the end of the race. This was a, a really good performance from this horse.
0: Yeah. Tell me about it. Cause I had, <laughs> I had sacred life singled when I, when I, I had sacred life singled in this race, uh, uh, right here, Dan and the, the or Mike, sorry, the way, and the way that that middle move, I'm like, sacred life's going to win this for sure. And somehow, and really St- sacred life had no excuse in this race. I didn't think no. sacred life is angling out here. I thought maybe the one was, you know, on his outside and maybe forced sacred life to maybe move a little bit more uncomfortable in between. I mean, right here, field passes in trouble, right? No, left-hand stick, fights on him. Mean, this horse, this was about as game as you can get.
2: Yeah, a really good performance. And you're right that, you know, Sacred Life, yeah. um, You know, he had a horse, you know, sort of leaning right on his outside. there all through yeah. the stretch run. That's fine if you want to give him a little credit for that. But that's not the kind of excuse you want to be given to a horse who was four to five.
0: Uh, and, and Sacred Life is in this race also, who I think is interesting at, at six to one. Um, let, let's talk about the five horse. Cause Dan, you have the five in second. I, I gotta be honest, guys. I, I, this is a real mystery to me. I, I just, I don't have hit the road in the top three. I don't, you know, he's been very unlucky with the circumstances. He's not been hurt folks. It's just been, we could talk forever, but there are several reasons why he has not run since October. My main concern guys. I mean, he's talented. There's no question about that. The mile and eighth. I mean, black has been keeping him a mile Uh, Mike and and Dan, you guys seem to think that that's not going to be a concern here.
1: I think it's the main concern. Uh, I think the distance is the main concern because – I think he might very well be the horse to beat from a pure talent standpoint. He ran some really, really nice races uh, last year against some good horses. Uh, He did get sick. He had to be scratched out of the Breeders' Cup, so he's coming into this race off of a long layoff. But he's the kind of horse with tactical speed that's just going to find himself probably in the second flight behind a fast pace. He'll probably be in with every chance turning into the stretch. Uh, I don't think you're getting 8-1 to with those two triple-digit buyer speed figures staring you at the face, but he's a fair price at around 5.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, nothing wrong with getting Tyler G on there as well. Um, the pace of this race, guys, is very interesting. Um, I've got uh, Never Surprised in second. Here's sort of my hope, gentlemen. I think people are gonna say, "Oh, he's got the 12 hole. It's it's Gulfstream." There's quite a bit of a run into the first turn. Number one, number two, guys. I think this horse is fast. This horse. I've seen this horse run all summer. He's getting very good right now. I know you've got Doswell on top, Dan, who I who I respect. But I think Never Surprise is going to gun the lead, and Doswell's going to have to sit. Not that Doswell can't do that. I think this horse is getting the lead. You know, maybe Size can back it down because people are going to think, well, this horse can't get, you know, can't hold on. I don't know. I'm interested. I would never take Never Surprise at too low a price, but I think he can win. And I'll just go ahead and Doswell if you want to talk briefly, Dan, about this horse you have on top.
1: Oh, I just think they found out what he wanted to do last time out in the Fort Lauderdale, and that is he needs the lead to win. Just look at his last three wins. On the lead, on the lead, on the lead. If the 12 is on a run-and-gun mission, it could be trouble for Doswell. Um, you know, I, I'm a sucker for speed horses. I picked Liam in the other race. I have <laughs> the uh, the Brad Cox horse and the inside information is going to be close. I like horses uh, with tactical speed and, or if not outright early speed. Doswell's going to have to probably do even a little better than the Fort Lauderdale because that was a race he controlled up front where there wasn't a ton of closing going on, but never surprised. Boy, I mean, he's taking the same route that uh pletcher's winner of this race uh, did last year tropical park derby against straight three-year-olds up against older horses that of course being colonel liam who's back in here as well and could win uh the sky's the limit for that horse he's gonna get the class test he's probably gonna have to work to get to the lead but i agree with you i do think he's pretty good
0: uh i want to comment on on charles here charles just let you know uh I, i think channel cat's interesting also and then we'll we'll talk about the elf in the room in a second guys colonel liam I just want everyone to know at home, and Charles, Charles, Channel Cat has the blinkers off, and I've watched a few works. They're trying to put him behind horses and rate. So I do not think Channel Cat's going to the lead, Charles. I don't want to dissuade you from picking this horse. I just want everyone to know that I'm pretty sure Rosario, who's very, excuse me, patient, I think is becoming off the pace with Channel Cat, guys. And Sisterson said that Channel Cat is in – is training fantastically like the best he's ever trained again. It's trainer speak, take it for what it's worth. I think channel cat is not impossible either. He's run some uh, big races as well. Um, Mike, let's talk about the elephant in the room and then we'll go on to the big one. Colonel Liam. <laughs> I only have in third, you guys have him nowhere. I mean, I know I'm going to put all of us on screen here. I mean, obviously the horse can win, but it just feels like off the layoff and etc. that you're just trying to find some others, right?
2: And that's how I looked at it. I mean, I, I I do think in most ways he's the horse to beat in this race. Um, I just didn't really want to take him as the favorite off the long layoff. Listen, you, you don't really have to worry about layoffs with Pletcher. He's great bringing horses back off of long layoffs. Um, I guess my biggest question with him, and, and um, you know, I'm happy to to have you guys sort of expound on it, is do we, you know, do we really know that this horse is is that good and he's a standout in here? I, I'm not so sure that I necessarily feel that way. He's certainly very good. And I loved the race that he ran when he won this race last year. Yeah. Um, however, I, I do think that the field's a little bit stronger this year. I think he's got um, some tougher competition in front of him in this race. And, you know, I guess he has an excuse for his most recent start to Manhattan. But man, was that a terrible performance? Um, I don't know. He can win this race. I don't want a short price
1: on him. I just wanted other horses in here. Just not my kind of horse, Howard, coming off a long layoff as at a short price, even with Pletcher. Uh, again, his merits speak for himself. That four-race win streak was pretty impressive. Uh, Pletcher, you know, a guy that likes to take his time. He was ready to strike while the iron was hot early in the year with this horse. Um, you Listen, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back and he fires. But for me, I, just a bit of an underlay.
0: Uh, I just want to throw this piece of information and Dan and Mike, I don't want you to think that I'm like only watch works and base all my handicapping off works, but in the last five or 10 years with all these works available, I do try to look at them with a little bit of a keener eye. Uh, Colonel Liam was working with Largent. Now who's Largent? Largent ran a few weeks ago, was horrible off a layoff, but I will say Colonel Liam was outworking Largent. So if, if those of you that follow Gulfstream, we actually talked about Largent on the show with Marcus Hirsch, um, and he <laughs> uh, he won't be mad and say that he loved him, and I didn't. I just happened to be right in that day, but you know, I'm wrong all the time, just like everyone else. Um, I, I just want to throw that out there that that Pletcher hmm. has had a turf force recently that was you know, uh, was supposed to win and ran horribly off
2: of a long layoff, too.
0: Off a long layoff. So, I again, I'm not saying that will be the reason why Colonel Liam doesn't win. But folk, this, this is our job, right, guys? Give people information right. and they can take it wherever they want to go. It's a fascinating race. We could talk about this for another 20 minutes, but we're not going to. I think we all agree, those of you listening at home and watching, try to find someone else other than Colonel Liam just because, by the way, forget the three to one. Colonel Liam's going to be nine to five, I would say, somewhere around there, in my opinion. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. There's just too many other horses that are that are interesting, and I would try to search around a little bit here. Um. All right, guys. I've been waiting, and and you guys too. I mean, not only your handicappers, obviously, your 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 fans as well. Um, before I get into the uh, Pegasus, I got a question for each one of you very quickly. When was the last time that you can remember uh, a race with the talent of these two, the the pace situation of these two, uh, and just the anticipation of a real you know, almost match rates kind of feel. Uh, Dan, I'll let you go first.
1: That's, that's a really, really good question because A, my memory is so bad, I can't remember what I had for you <laughs> today. Uh, and, but B, you're right. They have the same running style. Uh, they're very closely matched in ability. Uh, maybe they cancel each other out, but they're two very exciting horses on paper. They're really the two only main contenders in this race. And as we see, uh, we like one of the two main contenders a lot more, uh, but no, I can't remember. Maybe Mike would remember, although I know his memory's worse than mine.
2: Yeah, it is. I, I, I couldn't come up with one, especially just because they have the same running style, which I just think makes it that much more intriguing. Um, this race. I mean, we did have a, a Pegasus world cup, not that long ago when, when Arrogate and California Chrome. Uh, match up, well, it didn't yep. turn out to be you know much yep. of a match there with with California Chrome not running well, um, but at least there was some anticipation going into that race.
0: Uh, the only well, th- this is not a good example in terms of the same pace, but th- the race that came to mind was a race that. Uh, of the best breeders cup races we've seen in years that a horse won in the last leg that i needed for a decent uh pick four i had a few times the race that came to mind in terms of our duel at the end and very exciting was songbird and beholder uh now they they were they were only head to head you know i'd say going into the far turn i mean they Mm -hmm. beholder was a little more like mid-pack and songbird boy was she talented was on the lead but guys, that was sort of the race to me that came to mind, where you have two great horses sort of dueling beyond just the stretch. Um, I'm sure you guys remember that race. That, yep. that that's the one that came to mind for me. Um, yeah, that' there's not nothing to add. It's just that was a great race, um, folks. If you like Nick's Go, you might want to you might want to change the channel, um, guys. There are so many things to talk about in this race, and again, I don't want to take too much time, so I'll let you guys talk as much as you want here. Um, Dan, I'm going to let you go first. I mean, first of all, I love the fact, when you look at these PPs. I love seeing 1, one, 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 one 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, right? So there's there's Nick's go. I mean, crazy, right? And then you see life is good. I mean, I, I, I just love looking at these PPs. I guess I'm just a total horse racing nerd, but Dan, Mike, you guys probably felt the same way, right?
1: Absolutely, you rarely see uh, horses like this that are just consistent winners and consistently run fast races and consistently go right to the front and play catch me if you can. Uh, as the uh, Daily Racing Form Maryland analyst, I feel like a great betrayer in not picking the Maryland bred Nix Go in this race. Um, especially, let's talk in- about
0: Nix Go. Let's talk about Nix Go first, even though we all have yeah. a second. I mean, with all due respect, he is a two-time Breeders' Cup winner and uh, you know returning champion here.
1: And he drew the inside post, and you have to think right. he's going to go. And again, if this is going to be his last race, as I said in the in the uh, DRF race of the day, he's going to go out on his shield. I can't imagine them raiding this horse, even if Life Is Good is going to go. Nick's Go and Rosario, I assume, are going to try to play chicken with that horse going into the first turn, because if there's one thing we know about Nick's Go, other than he's an extremely talented horse, is that if he gives up the lead, he's he's just not as good.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike, uh, how do you see the pace scenario? Because uh, I'm gonna put a, I'm gonna actually just put, I'm gonna take the peepees off a second. Uh, the, uh, the, of course, horse racing Twitter is a is a wonderful place. We all know, and we're all on Twitter. I've seen all the experts and all the geniuses saying, "Oh, Nixco is gonna wire the field." Uh, the, you know, the the inside's the place to be at Gulfstream. I, I don't know how you feel. Let's get into it. To me, and I said this before, the post position to some friends and other people on Twitter. I was hoping life good. Life is good. Drew outside for a lot of reasons. How do you feel like in general when you have two speed balls? Would rather be on the inside or the outside?
2: Um, in a race like this, um, at this distance on this track, I'd rather be on the inside. Um, but I feel like I feel like there's a real chance life is good is just faster than Nick's go early in this race. We'll see if it plays out that way, and we'll see if if I read. Um, and Fletcher had designs um, on riding him that way, or if they're just going to be content to get forward and sit off that horse. I hope they're, they're planning on going. Um, I think he's a faster horse early. Um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. You know, we were, you know, started, started out, even though we all like life is good. We wanted to start out talking about Nick's go um, you know, Dan will vouch for this. Um, it's cost me a couple times uh, already since this horse um, was taken over by Brad Cox. I, I still don't, I don't buy into this horse at all. I know he looks really good on paper. Wow. Um, you know, he, this horse is going to be probably a unanimous <laughs> fourth of the year and champion uh, older horse. Um, they actually ran him in the Cornhusker in July and the Lucas Classic in October. By the way, really? Mike, I tried, I, understand.
0: I tried to beat him in the Cornhusker. I understand. That's how that he, stupid I am. I, I will readily I admit to won. the whole world, I actually tried to beat Nick Sco in the freaking Cornhusker.
2: I get that he <laughs> won the Whitney in the Breeders' Cup Classic, um, although the Breeders' Cup Classic uh, deserves a little asterisk next to it because nobody nobody raced him in there. They just let him have the race. Yeah. But um, I don't know. To me, he, he's obviously really good, but I, I feel like his – I don't feel like he's as good as his reputation um, since Brad Cox has taken over. He's, he's, he's a fine horse. I I, I don't think he's that good. And I'm, um, you know, I, I personally, I just feel like life is good. Life is good It's a faster horse than him and a better horse than him.
0: He's uh, only, by, he's by only way, Tom, Tom has a good comp. I mean, they were different yeah. styles, but boy, how about that Breeders' Cup classic by the way, if you folks have not seen the Breeders' Cup classic with easy goer and Sunday science, I think it was at Gulfstream. If I remember guys. It was what 81
1: a... Gulfstream. Yeah.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. No, 89
1: goals. that was one of the great races of all yeah. time. No doubt about it. Good call from Tom, but Hey, Nick's goal he is, is eight for eight for Cox around two turns uh, in North America. Uh, listen, he's, he's a legitimate horse. I know Mike's not a huge fan and uh, I, there've been times that I've been against him as well. Uh, Getting back to your inside outside comment, I agree with Mike that Gulfstream at this distance, I generally want to be inside. But in this case, I don't mind life is good being outside. I think it gives life is good two chances to win instead of the one for Nick's go, which is Nick's go, I think needs the lead to win. Life is good. If he's fast enough, he can get to the lead and he can win. And I think that if somehow go is just quarter-horsed out of there, I think he can sit second and win. I don't think he's proven just yet because he's so lightly raced that he can't rate off another horse and succeed.
0: Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree, I and mean, we've never okay. seen it. I mean, I, I suppose he can, but we've never seen it. I, I, here, I'll here, i give you my two cents, guys, real quick, and then we can talk about any other horses you'd like. Um, here's why I want life is good on the outside, and you guys feel free to tell me if I'm wrong. There's two scenarios. Either life is good, will outbreak. Not mean maybe not outbreak, but is faster. And by the way, David Aragona put some stuff out there. If you look at the time form, I mean every measure that I've seen, guys, life is go is just faster. I know that life is good. Excuse me. I know that might be hard to believe, but that's what I've seen. Um, if that's true, you know, IRAD is going to make things very interesting on that first turn for Nick's go. I'm not suggesting he's going to put him into the rail or anything, but. Guys, I mean, you got to take every inch against Go, right? So if, if Life is good, uh, Life is good outbreaks Nixco. <clears throat> excuse me, I think he's going to make things a little bit tight on the first turn. Number one, number two. Let's just say Go, you know, breaks really well and gets the lead. What's wrong with Life is good just sitting right on Nixco's flank the entire race, pressing down on him? I mean, that is not a comfortable position. And I've said this, and Mike, I completely agree with you in this thought. What great speed horse has Nixko faced in his entire career? I mean, he we faced go one. Char- Charlotte. He faced
2: one. He faced Charlotte, and Charlton right. was way better and, than him. That. And day. what
0: happened? Now, okay, fine. One. I, I'm sorry. I don't buy this whole one turn two two and thing. I, I I know that's what Brad Cox says, and what do I know compared to Brad Cox? I'm just. I'm not buying it, guys. I, I don't. I think he wants two turns because he is able to get a slower pace and relax. I mean, that's why. Um. He faced Charlatan. That's like the only time. As you point out correctly, Dan, Medina's spirit, and I was there, by the way, in the BCBC contest with a chance to actually make some serious cash, and that took Hot Rod Charlie. I'm not going to lie to anyone, because I thought Medina was going to press Nix. It didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. I mean, Nix ran very well in that race, but as as you guys both pointed out, I mean, he really had a free ride the whole way. So I don't know the last time go has faced a serious, serious speed horse with pressure, the entire way. And I also think we're getting eight to five on life is good. I think nix goes to me three to five. I didn't think that way before guys, but once nix go got the rail, all the amateur knuckleheads, Oh, he's got the rail. So I think that lowered the price on Nix go, in my opinion, and raised the price just a little bit on life is good. Even more reason um, guys, any thoughts on some other horses you've got, uh, uh, Dan, you've got the two chess chief in, third and Mike you've got the sixth Sir Winston who obviously uh has back class on dirt as well uh Dan I'll let you go first on any, anything else you'd like to discuss well
1: it's me. just in case we have a tar and speed duel right? I mean, these two horses just go out there at a breakneck pace and they go 44 seconds for a half mile and they're gasping for air. I I guess we had to try to find someone that could come and maybe wear them down in the stretch. Uh, Chess chief is at least in decent enough form. He came from off the pace to win last time out. I I have no uh, illusions that he is at the level of the two favorites in this race, but sometimes pace does make the race and he does seem like a solid enough closer.
0: Um, I'm not going to talk about Saleta Boy. I do have him in third. I'll just say that he's got back class, and I think he's a dead closer and was up way too close to the pace against a ridiculously good flight line. Uh, Mike, this horse does interest me a little bit underneath Sir Winston. Um, was Has been on the poly, but obviously has back numbers on the dirt, including winning the Belmont 2019.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't personally feel like there was a compelling case to be made um, for any of the other horses in here outside the one and the four um i think you know there is a valid way to look at the race and to just say listen the two favorites are both speeds neither one of them is going to give an inch in here they're going to hook it up and this race is going to fall into somebody else's lap it could happen um i didn't look at the race that way i put sir winston third just because i feel like he's the best closer in the race but i don't you know i'm not going to bet him in here right
0: I mean, I, I'm really excited to be there in person for this. It's going to be crazy. Uh, we'll just take two minutes, guys, to talk about our caveman tickets. I'll show everyone. Dan, if you want to talk briefly, you have a $48 ticket, late pick five. You're sitting in life is good. Any opinions on how you play this horizontally, this pick five?
1: Um, I, I You know, this is a, a pick five where I think I'm going to – I would lean on life is good, and I would probably lean on the other favorite that we talked about, the Mott Horse Speakers Corner in the uh, – those two horses, I think most people are going to play that that way. I think you're, what you're supposed to do, at least in the World Cup, is is have an opinion, one or the other. It's either going to be Nick's go or life is good. I'm going with life is good. Uh, speaker's corner would be my A, even though I picked uh, Liam, who's a bigger price uh, in the uh, in the pick. And I think I would like to spread in a couple of these other races. I do know that we went with Regal Glory in the second leg. Um, She's way the horse to beat. She would probably be my only A, but I would use several other backups in case there is a little bit of chaos in that race. And for me, the Pegasus turf is just a complete skullbuster.
0: And you've got bipartisanship, that 20 to one shot in your pick five, as as you mentioned.
1: Have to use them off that last race. Tough post position, but maybe this pace melts down a little bit
0: uh mike europe you, mike's got a nice and inexpensive uh, i said they could spend up to 100 but they're giving a nice and inexpensive ticket which i like for those of you on a lower budget I, I, opinions on your uh on the pick five here mike yeah
2: just didn't really see that many interesting places to go um you know i wound up going too deep in the second and third legs even though feels like regal glory and speaker's corner you know they're, they're pretty likely winners at short prices i just threw in a couple of horses as backups because my uh my ticket's so cheap at the end of the day um, I'll hope for anything like that morning line um, on the horse I like in the inside information, the five. Um, if not, I have a couple of other price horses with that horse. Um, and I just really wanted to fade the favorites in the Pegasus World Cup turf. I, I went three, yep. four, five, nine. Um, no favorites in there, really. I mean, I guess hit the road could take some money. I just That's the race to me where maybe you could, you know, get a price in there and, and try to make this thing pay a little bit.
0: I mean, there's only so many favorites you can take, right? So it's right. not, it's not it's like... Not... Folks, it's not like we dislike Colonel Liam. It's just from a value standpoint. I mean, you just keep having favorite after favorite. You're not going to get paid. So you got to, that's why it's called gambling, folks. You got to take some chances. Here's my ticket. I always put us uh, up to $100 just so you guys know on these big days. It's obviously, the, my biggest spread is is the second, is the penultimate race, the, the turf. Because if it's not Colonel Liam, uh, it could be six or seven, in my opinion. And again, I think, Dan, you brought up an excellent point I've talked about on this show, Ad nauseum. If you think the last race, folks, it's a two-horse race, please, we're begging you. I think all three of us, if you're playing a caveman ticket, a straight ticket, do not. Do not. Use Life is Go and Nick's Good. Folks, you're doubling your ticket on sub eight to five shots. It just makes no sense. You got If you like Nick's Go, great. We understand. Go for it. But don't use both to cover your race. It just is not good value. I'd assume you, you do completely agree with that thought.
2: Yeah. You can't, you, you got to pick one or the other. You can't double your ticket yeah. by using a, a even money and a six to five.
0: Yep. For sure. Uh, Dan Elman, Mike beer. I appreciate, I know you guys went over and I I apologize. I'll take some blame for that, but we all love talking about horse racing, right? It's going to be a great day on Saturday. Hopefully you guys will not get, you know, five feet of snow, whatever's predicted. I've heard, I've heard two inches and I've heard three feet <laughs> who knows what the bomb cyclone is going to do out there, but uh, hope you guys stay safe. First of all, of course, Really appreciate you guys coming on. I've been big fans for a long time. Please come back anytime you would like. We'll be we'll be in touch uh, off air. Good luck on Saturday, guys. Thanks for joining us. Hey,
1: thanks thanks for thanks for having us, uh, Howard. And a safe trip down to Florida. Enjoy.
0: Thanks. uh, My flight's in uh, about ten hours. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Have a great night. Bye bye. All right. Wow. What a what a fantastic uh, show we had tonight. Uh, Dan Elman, Mike Beer. Really knowledgeable, great guys. They spend an extra 15, 20 minutes on the show with us, and I really do appreciate it. Folks, please make sure you subscribe to the Race Day blog if you like the free, again, let me put this up. You have to subscribe by 11 p.m. tonight if you've never subscribed before. 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you do that, I'll give you a free Race Day blog for this Saturday. So make sure you sign up for that. Also, the show is now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So please make sure you subscribe and you listen to it there. And then, as always, I put my banner up here. Um, please email me at hgraveshorse@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'm going to send out a lot of stuff on Twitter, guys. A lot of stuff on Twitter on Saturday. I'm going to have paddock reports. I'll take pictures, videos of some of these nice horses and how they look. Please follow me on Twitter. But most most importantly, please make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel if you have not subscribed because I really feel like we give excellent content. And I'm going to have a live show uh, this Monday, which I don't usually do, recapping Pegasus Day. And also the usually usually scheduled show next Thursday with Brian Nadeau, who does a fantastic job on the simulcast feed for Gulfstream is their main handicapper. And there's a huge uh, stake races again a week from Saturday uh, at Gulfstream, including the grade three Holy bowl, which is the first uh, road to the Kentucky Derby prep at Gulfstream park. Let me see real quick. We have any other comments here. We'll wrap up the show. Uh, Janet, thank you very much for uh, watching the show. Arizona is not a bad place to be. Uh, Chris Mack. Chris, thank you for joining the show. Appreciate the safe travels. Uh, I'm going to very much enjoy my trip down there. We're going to bring a jacket and a sweater with me on uh, Saturday. I know it's crazy to believe it's going to be like that in uh, South Florida, but it's going to be very cold there um, for South Florida standards uh, on Saturday. Let's see. Uh, Trish um, likes title writings. So Winston a little bit, use them underneath Trish. Uh, the, the last thing I will say before I wrap up here, folks, is if you're betting a trifecta in the last race, don't go one, four with one, four, don't go Nick's go and life is good over Nick's go. And life is good. You're not making any money. I don't care if you have a 80 to one shot in third, you're not making money. I recommend a chalk splitter folks. That means you take Nick's go or life is good on top and then play your bomb in second. And then play go. Life is Good in third. That's how you're going to make money in the trifecta in the Pegasus. It might not happen. It might, you might lose. But if you win, if that actually does happen, let's say Life is Good or go fades late and someone else comes on for second, that is how you're going to get paid in the trifecta. Just my opinion there on how you can get paid in the last race of the Pegasus. It's been a great show. I really appreciate all the fantastic viewers and comments. I wish everyone good luck on Saturday at Gulfstream Park for Pegasus World Cup Day. This has been Howard Kravitz, episode 108 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm off to catch a plane, heading down to Gulfstream. Good luck to everyone on Saturday. Take care. Good night.